All right. Well, good morning, Pastor Hyden here. And I just want to welcome you to this moment in our service where we now lean into the Word of God. I'm so glad you joined us today because we're kicking off a brand new series through the book of Ruth. Ruth is found in the OT. It's the Old Testament. It's on the left side of your Bible. So if you have a Bible, and I hope you do, go ahead and pull it out. Let me get some let me hear some of those pages ruffle through the screen. Come on, get your Bible out. Maybe you got it on your phone or on your tablet. Get that holy glow on your face. And let's look at Ruth chapter one together. When you get to Ruth chapter one, go ahead and say, ready. I'm ready. Let's get ready. Come on, come on, get ready with me. If you're hungry for the word today, say, let's eat. Let's eat. Come on, tell the person you're with right now. Give them a high five and say, let's eat. In fact, the title of my sermon this morning is simply this, go get that bread. Go get that bread. Go get that bread. Say it with me. Say, go get that bread. But, but don't actually leave. Don't go get some physical bread. We're talking about a different type of bread. Come on, amen? Right? Jesus himself is the bread of life. He's going to speak to us, to, to us through this word this morning. So before we eat from this word, let's go ahead and talk to him in prayer. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now. God, as we open up your word, teach us your word today. We need to eat from your word today. We need this spiritual bread in our lives. So Holy Spirit, serve us, feed us, help us. God, we don't need another word from a man. God, we need a message from God. Speak to us through Ruth chapter one. In Jesus Christ's name, for Jesus Christ's fame. And God, please heal our land right now. We need it for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ruth chapter one. Here's where we're at along the journey. We, we open up to Ruth chapter one and we find ourselves in verse one. And this, this first verse sets the stage. It gives us the setting of this book and it's important that we know it. Here's what it says. It says, in the days when the judges ruled. When was Ruth found and when was this happening? This was happening in the days when the judges ruled. Why is it important to know that? Well, it's important to know that because life was difficult. I'd say that life was hard during the days that the judges ruled. The actual, the book of Judges is the, the previous book before Ruth and it ends with this final verse. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. Here's what it says. It says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I'll tell you what's a scary picture is when everybody just decides to do what's right in their eyes. I'll tell you what, our, our eyes oftentimes deceive us. Our hearts are sick and wicked. Our hearts and our eyes will tell us to do things that are not of God, that are not the right decision. And when everybody's just doing their thing, their own thing, there's no counsel, there's no wisdom, there's no leadership, it's chaos for sure. Warren Wearsby describes this season. He says it like this. He says, the book of Judges is the story of Israel at one of its lowest points in history. It's a record of division, cruelty, apostasy, civil war, and national disgrace. When we think about the book of Judges, there were definitely godly men and women judges that rose up in those days, but the land was chaotic, right? It was divisive, says Wearsby. It was cruel. It was war. It was a disgrace in many different ways. I'll tell you what, this kind of reminds me of the day we're living in, right? There was very real struggle. There was oppression. There was depression. There was all types of struggle. 
And it was hard. Life was hard. And in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of God is on display. And how powerful is it that he uses a redemptive story through a young lady named Ruth that we're about to lean into in the middle of the chaos to bring healing and hope to the land. I want us to go ahead and look at that a little bit further right now. It says, when the the days of the judges ruled, there was a famine. So not only was life hard because the judges were ruling and everybody was doing what was right in their own eyes, but this was especially hard because there was a famine in the land, right? There was a famine in the land of Bethlehem. And it's ironic because the The word Bethlehem actually means city and house of bread. So in the house of bread, there's no bread, right? At this point in Bethlehem, the the vegetation had stopped. There hadn't been rain in a season, right? There was no food or crops to eat from, and it was a challenging time. Life was hard. Not only was life hard because there was a famine in the land, but the text continues there was a man in Bethlehem in Judah who went to sojourn in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons, the name of the man was Elimelech. Come on, say the name with me one time. Say Elimelech, Elimelech. The the name Elimelech means God is my king. But right here we see Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi, the names of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, they went into the country of Moab. Now, this was a bad decision as well. This made life hard as well. Since there was a famine, they decided to leave. Well, what was so attractive about Moab? I'm not sure. Moab was a pagan land. Moab is actually named after the incestuous relationship that a man named Lot in the book of Genesis had with his daughter. So Lot has this incestuous relationship with his daughter and they give birth to this boy and they name him Moab. And now he is giving birth to this city, this territory, this area. And now Elimelech says, I want us to move there. It's making things more complicated by the moment. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. So how about it? Instantly when they go to Moab, now he dies, it makes it more difficult as Naomi has to be this widow. She's left with her two sons. Her two sons decide to take Moabite wives. The name of the one was Oprah, I mean Orpah, excuse me. (laughs) And the name of the other was Ruth. They lived there about 10 years and both Malon and Chilion died. So that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. There's four points on display right here that just scream life was hard. And maybe today you would say, yeah, life's been hard for me too. I don't know about you, but 2020 has has felt like just in these past five, six months, this has felt like a whole year. It's felt like five years. this This has been a challenging season, has it? Like life has been hard. Maybe for you, life has been hard since the pandemic hit. Maybe life has been hard for you since you haven't had a paycheck. Maybe life has been hard for you as you haven't got the call back that you thought you would. 
Maybe life has been hard for you as you've been homeschooling or parenting and different levels that you weren't expecting to. Maybe life has been hard for you as maybe you're similar here. You're looking where, where you're gonna eat or maybe you're struggling with different things spiritually or physically or maybe you gained the quarantine 15 and you're like, man, life has been hard. You find yourself in this text here somewhere. Maybe you're dealing with the different uh, moments of racism that we're seeing on display. Maybe you're feeling the tension in the culture of today. Maybe you're thinking, I wanna see justice happen and I wanna see it happen sooner. I wanna see things happen quicker. Life is hard. We find a story here where life was hard and I, I want us to look at what's the right response when life gets hard. Let me give you the first point of this sermon. When life gets hard, don't leave. Come on, hear, hear me, lean in for a second. I want you to catch this. When life gets hard, don't leave. What, what do I mean by that? Well, here's what happens in Ruth chapter one, verse one. Let's look at the NIV translation. It says, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, which is no doubt a difficult, hard situation. A man from Bethlehem of Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. Do you mind if for a second I just double click and highlight the words for a while? That phrase stuck out to me, that he went to live for a while there. I think this is the way of thinking that's erroneous. This is the way of thinking that's not helpful. When life gets hard, don't leave. Here's what Elimelech thinks. Life is hard. We're experiencing famine. But God told me to dwell in this land. God told me to remain in Bethlehem. One day there's gonna be a Messiah coming from here. God has his hand on this place. He's got his hand on this space. If we trust him, we know he'll provide. But he says here, you know what? Let me just lead my family to a different place for a while. I don't know if you've ever been tempted to do that. You know what? Let me just go ahead and take the easy route for a while. Let me go ahead and travel the road less resistant for a while. I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna do all the sin. I'm just gonna kind of take one cookie out the cookie jar. I'm just gonna tiptoe in for a while, y'all. Come on, I was just, I'm just doing it. I'm just going for a while. I'm not trying to go forever. But what you think is for a while might be for longer than you expected. Your, your for a while might cause more pain than you ever realize, not just for yourself, but for those who are around you. That for a while looks different. Look at verse two, right? In the ESV, it says that the name of the man was Elimelech and the name of his wife, Naomi. The name of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there. So he thinks, you know what, this, this is the road less resistant. I'm just gonna go there for a while. I'll come back all of a sudden until you're there for 10 years. Right? Elimelech finds himself in a pagan, distant, foreign country with his family. He, he led them there and now he's remained there. Come on, let me highlight that phrase, he remained there. Listen, if you, do, if you decide to leave the faith for a while, you might find yourself remaining in that, pay, that place. 
If you say, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna venture out from Christianity. I don't know that Jesus really is the real deal. Let me go ahead and explore some stuff. You might step into the deep end where you can't swim in, and you'll find yourself remaining in a place, in a space that you never meant to be in. You might get trapped in your own courts. Listen, life is hard. It really is. It's probably gonna get harder for you. But when life gets hard, don't leave. I love how Charles Spurgeon says it here. He says, better poverty with the people of God than plenty outside the covenant land. He says, it would have been better for Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and his two sons to stay in the land that God brought them to rather than to leave and go to a foreign land where God is absent. Not that God is not sovereign, not that God is not in control, but he's saying, hey, if you oppose my direction, you might not see my hand move. You might enter into spaces that are dangerous, and isn't that what happened here? Right, the very next verse tells us that Elimelech dies. Right, and right after that, his two sons marry Moabite wives. That was never God's plan for this family, although it's what happened and God is still in it and he's still using it because we can't never out God's grace. Amen? Right? We, we can't do it. Like Even if Jonah decides to run away from God's plan, God sends a fish to bring him right back. Even though this is a, this is a different direction, this is the longer route, God says, hey, I'm still in it. But it might end bad. Right? Even when life gets hard, don't, don't leave. Well, what's the right response? Maybe you'd ask. I think it's an Isaiah 40 response. What's an Isaiah 40 response? Here's what the text says. It says, they who wait for the Lord. Oh, come on, say it again. They who wait for the Lord. Sometimes I think the miracle is around the corner if you would just wait. Come on, tap the person next to you and just say, just wait. Wait. Too often, I feel like we don't just live in the USA. We live in the USL. We live in the United States of leave. Do you know somebody like this? Maybe you're that person. I'm sorry, I'm not sorry if this, if this ruffles your feathers a little bit. But too often when life gets hard, people leave. I mean, we live in the culture where if, if your marriage gets hard, people leave. If your relationship has tension, if it gets hard, People just leave. Well, my coach isn't playing me enough. You just leave. Well, I don't like this school anymore. You just leave. Well, I didn't get the grade that I thought I would get on my paper. Well, just leave. Well, my, my pastor doesn't preach the way I'll well, just leave. I, the worship wasn't quite, I, I just leave. This running mentality is plaguing our culture. And Elimelech here says, you know, hey, it's not, it's not working out the way I thought it was. I'm just going to leave. But God says, those who wait for the Lord, come on, Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. The miracle, the strength is in the waiting room. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I find it ironic, church, that Elimelech means God is my king, but here he demonstrates that his stomach is his king, right? He doesn't walk by faith. Right here it says he walks by sight. But that's not the calling for us, amen? 
right? The calling is 2 Corinthians 5, 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. What's the definition of faith? Hebrews says the definition of faith is being sure of what you do not see and hopeful for what you don't, right? It's saying I'm, I'm, I'm positive. Even though I can't see it, I believe it. I trust the Lord. Elimelech says, hey, things got hard and I left. I just want to encourage you. If things are hard in your life, don't leave. Things may get hard in your church, don't leave. Things may get hard in your relationships, don't leave. Things might get hard in the different spaces. If you try to really live out your faith in this day and age, it will get hard. You will suffer from some persecution, my friend. Don't leave. Right? We see this on display. The disobedience of Elimelech affects everybody else around him. Verse 3, it says, Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, dies. Now she's left with her two sons. So all of a sudden, Naomi, who found herself in this Moabite land, is now living there as a widow without her husband who led her there. She doesn't know what to do or where to go. She's got these two sons. So what do these two sons do? Right? They introduce themselves to some ladies. Well, what type of ladies are in the Moab land? Moabite ladies. The ladies that God said, hey, you probably don't want to engage with these Ladies, they're, they don't believe what you believe. They, 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 don't, they might not have your best interest. And here's what happens, right? They, they took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years. So all of a sudden, one thing that was supposed to just be for a little while ends up being a decade. They lived there 10 years. And then both Malon and Chilion die. Right? This one move cost him his life, cost him his son's lives. And then we find this on display that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Hmm. What do you do? I want you just to use your imagination. I want you to picture Naomi in this Moabite land by herself. Her husband's gone. Her two boys are gone. And she's there with her two daughter-in-laws that are Moabite women, Orpah and Ruth. So what happens next, I think, is glorious. And this is where we get the title of our message. But let's go ahead and read verse six together. Here's what verse six says. It says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Oh, I love that verse right there. Let me go ahead and show it to you in the New King James Version, verse six. It says that she arose with her daughters-in-law. She looks to the left, she looks to the right, and she says, there's nothing else keeping us here in the land of Moab. We got to do something because I heard about my God. I heard that the Lord still has plans. I heard that there's favor. In fact, here's what it says. It says that she heard that the, in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Right? Let me go ahead and underline that phrase, giving them bread. That, that somehow Naomi hears God is not dead. God is not done. God still has a plan. If we would have waited, we would have made it. 
but still he has a plan. And so she hears, hold up. God's working in the land. God's actually moving where he promised he would move. We can't stay here anymore. We have to move with him. Here's the second point. When life gets hard, go get that bread. When life gets hard, my friend, go get that bread. Go get that bread. What does that mean? Here's what that means. Look where God is working. Find where God's working and join him with it. I couldn't give you a better definition. It's, it comes from a great theologian named Henry Blackaby. Blackaby says it like this. He says, watch to see where God is working and join him in his work. Like look around, observe your environment and ask this question, where do I see God at? Where's God working at? That's where I'm gonna go. I just wanna join God in his work that Henry Blackaby, this great theologian, gave his life to this mentality. He said, I went throughout life just looking for where God was. If God's working there, that's where you'll find me. And friend, when life gets hard, don't leave. When life gets hard, go get that bread. Look Look where God is working, right? Jesus in John chapter six, he ministers to the Pharisees and his disciples. And he says, my father has bread that's bigger and better and sweeter than anything this world has to offer. And they said, well, where can we get this bread? I love what Jesus says in John 6, verse 35. He says, I am the bread. Jesus says, I'm the bread. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. When life gets hard, go get that bread. When life gets hard, say, I'm going to Jesus. Too often when life gets hard, we go away from Jesus. When Jesus says, I'm the bread, where else are you gonna go? I find it fascinating that Jesus in this same chapter looks at his disciples and he says, are you guys gonna leave? And Peter says with boldness, where else are we gonna go? You're the bread. When life gets hard, my friend, go go get that bread. Naomi looks up and says, you know what? God is, on. He, he, God is for us. God is on our side. Psalm 121, verse one and two say it like this. I lift up my eyes. Some of you just need to do this today. Maybe you've been going through a difficult season. All, all you've been doing is walking around like this. Can't even look up. Well, here's what the text says. When you lift up your eyes, right? David says in the Psalms, when I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where does my help come? Where does, the, where does the help come from in the famine? Where does the help come from in the darkness of the night? Where does the help come from when there's racism on display in the culture, when people are being murdered, when there's death all around us, when there's a pandemic and a virus and we're out of work and we're out of touch and we wanna meet back together and we wanna open up the church publicly and physically. Where does our help come from? Open up your eyes, my friend. Lift up your eyes for our help comes from the Lord. Let let us not leave when life gets hard. Let us go to the one who can give us help when life gets hard. David says, my help comes from the Lord. He made heaven and earth. 
How can God not make your life different too? And too often we leave before we get to the miracle. And that was Naomi's story. She left. She went for a 10-year span of running from God. And now we find her back. She says, look, ladies, I'm not sure what y'all are going to do. In fact, y'all go ahead and go. Go ahead and take the easy route. Go ahead and leave. Go back to Moab. But I'm going to go get that bread. And sometimes you got to tell people that aren't for you or maybe don't have your best interest, or maybe will slow you down in your race for Christ. And you just gotta say, look, you gotta go do what you gotta do, but I'm gonna go get that bread. I've been running for too long. I've been leaving for too long. I gotta anchor myself in. I gotta stay planted in where God has me. I gotta go get that bread. Naomi says, I'm going back home. This is my moment. This is my chance. Isaiah 55, verse 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. If you're watching this right now, somehow you stumbled upon it. Maybe you're watching it on Facebook. Maybe you're joining on somebody's Facebook watch party. Maybe you, you got sent a YouTube link and you showed up. Maybe you're watching this on our online platform. This is a word from heaven for you. Return to the Lord. Maybe you were doing something impure last night or this morning. Let me tell you something. God still loves you. He has his hand on you. You may have stopped believing in God, but he never stopped believing in you. Isaiah 55 says, return. Right? Naomi took a 10-year detour. Naomi was planted in Bethlehem, took a 10-year detour to Moab where she lost her husband and her two sons. And she says, look, it's not too late. I can still go back home. And she's there now, right? She's going to get that bread. Isaiah 55 says, he will have compassion on you. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. What does it look like when you, re when you, when you return back to the to him? What does it look like when you leave Moab, Bethlehem? What does that look like? It looks like God having compassion on your life, meeting you right where you're at and saying, I love you. I have more for you. Come on, let's walk this out together. Let's walk this thing out together. You should have never left, but you're back. Let's go get that bread. Jesus is all about that bread. And you and I are in need of that bread. Amen. Let me give you the third and final point. When life gets hard, when life gets hard, friend, trust God. I know that might not be a big wowing statement, but I hopefully it's a statement that you and I can relate to. When life gets hard, and it will, trust God. We see this played out and lived out in Ruth's life. All right, let's figure out, let, let, let's just go ahead and read the narrative right now and see how this unfolds, right? Verse six, she says, I heard that there's bread in the land. Verse seven, it says, so she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. They went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, go, return each of you to her mother's house. Go back to your mom's house. That's where you're comfortable that's what you know. That's your people. Why don't you just go that direction? May the Lord deal kindly with you. 
She says, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Hey, look, here's what she's saying. Hey, I honor you guys. I wanna send y'all out. I wanna bless y'all. Y'all don't have to go with me. We've experienced enough pain, enough loss, enough hurt together. Y'all got it. I'm going back to where I'm from. You go back to where you're from. It's been nice. It's been fun, but it's also been very devastating. Y'all go your way. Then she kissed them. They lifted up their voices and wept. They said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back my daughters, go go your way, she says. She says, for I'm too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, Even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? She's saying, that's just weird. None of us have time for that. Would you therefore refrain, she says, from marrying? No, my daughters, for it's exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. I love that phrase right there. It says that Ruth clung to her. It's this picture of while Orpah's saying, you know what? Life's hard. I'm leaving. Right? She said, hey, look, it's been pretty hard. I'm out. That's at that moment where Ruth says, I'm in. I love how Ruth says, hey, you know what? I heard this point. I listened to this sermon at some church called Walk Church. And the pastor said, when life gets hard, don't leave. And Ruth says, you know what? I'm clinging to the promise. I'm not gonna go back to the path that's least resistant. I'm not gonna take the easy way out. I'm not gonna go back to my place. I'm gonna trust God. Friend, when life gets hard, number one, don't leave. Number two, go get that bread. Go to Jesus. Go to the one who loves you, who died for you, who rose for you, who has bread. And trust him. I love right here that Ruth demonstrates incredible trust. Like Ruth right here is a model for biblical trust. Why would you say that? Why would you say Ruth's demonstrating trust here? Well, because what she's about to utter to her mother-in-law, may arguably be the most beautiful poetic verses in the entire Bible. I mean, watch what happens next, right? Naomi says, see, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods, right? She, she went back to her gods. She went back to her ways. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. And here's where, here's where, come on, lean in with me. For you go, I will go. For where you go, I will go. And where, where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. 
May the Lord do so to me, and more also of anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined, oh, this lady was determined. She said no more. The, the trust and the faith that Ruth had right here was incredible. When we first meet Ruth, meet Ruth, she's a Moabite woman apart from saving faith in the Lord. When we meet Ruth now, she's saying, your God has become my God. Here's what Ruth is saying. Look, life's hard, but I'm going to go get that bread. Ruth's saying, hey, look, life's hard, but I'm not giving up. I'm determined to get that bread. Ruth's saying, yeah, yeah, life's hard. My husband is dead, and we don't have any kids to show forth, right? I'm with my mother-in-law. What's so funny and ironic about this passage is oftentimes Ruth chapter 1, verse 16 is quoted at weddings. In fact, Nina and I used these verses and we quoted them to each other when we had our first wedding in Israel. I say first wedding because we had another one when we got here to Vegas and it was a bigger one, but we, we had our first one in, in Israel when we got married and it was such a beautiful time and we looked at each other and we quoted Ruth 1.16. We see husband and wife quote these to each other, but you never see a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law quote these to each other. This is interesting, wouldn't you say? But here we see incredible trust. Incredible trust because we find Ruth telling Naomi, I want your God to be my God. Well, what's so attractive about that? Because last time I checked, Naomi's life has been jacked up. Naomi herself says, look, God has, has made me bitter. Right? She feels like God's hands against her, but, but Ruth says, but I trust him. Right? When you feel like God's hand is against you, is pushing on you, you sense tension in the land, you sense struggle, here's what I want, to, want you to want to remind you. It's a time to trust him. You might not understand why things are happening the way they're happening, but let me go ahead and tell you this. You were never called to understand. You were called to trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you guys know the verses? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. I wonder if Ruth said, look, if I just trust him, he'll direct him. If I say, God, I trust you, he's gonna clear the path. I wonder if Moses got to the Red Sea and said, God, I trust you, now what? And God said, I got a plan. I wonder if Joshua, as they marched around the walls, said, God, we trust you, but now what? I wonder if Ruth said, okay, God, I trust you, but now what? We're about to find out more as we continue to look at this story over the next few weeks. So God begins to show us miraculous grace and favor to this family that has experienced incredible loss and pain. There's more to come. I'm grateful that Ruth caught it. I'm grateful that Ruth didn't take the easy way out. I'm grateful that Ruth didn't say, you know what, life's hard, I'm gonna leave. Thank you, but no thanks. Ruth was so determined, she told her mother-in-law, don't urge me to do anything else, I'm coming with you. I wanna know your God. I wanna know your people. I wanna go back to the place you should have never left. But because of that, take me with you. 
Come on, that's grace, right? Grace is an undeserved gift from God, right? The reality is none of us deserve to be in the promised land. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve to be forgiven. None of us deserve to have grace on our lives. But that's the beauty of it, right? That God sends Jesus to go get Ruth, to go get Haydn, to go get you. People that are in distant lands, distant places in sin. And he says, I'm gonna use you to, I'm gonna take you out. I'm gonna call you to a new place. That's what Jesus does in the gospel. That's what Jesus does when he dies and rises and calls us out of our own Moabs and calls us to him. To have trust, to have faith, and to not leave. I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at right now, trust him. Maybe you've been on a journey of running and now you just need to come back. You need to be like Naomi and say, you know what, I'm going to go get that bread. I'm coming back. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to go get that bread. If that's where you're at right now and you need prayer, either you need prayer to receive Jesus right now or you need prayer to just get back on track. You need to just come back home. You know Jesus, but you left Jesus, and now it's time to come back home. I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Father, when life gets hard, we trust you. So everybody with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just pray with me right now? Would you just say, Jesus, save me? And even if you already know him, you're already saved, just pray it with me. Just say, Jesus, save me. Thank you for saving me. Heal me. Heal our land. God, our land is broken. We're struggling, God. We need help. So would you heal our land? Would you deliver us? Would you bring us out of Moab? Would you give us the bread of life? If you need Jesus right now, just ask him to save you. Ask him to change you. Tell him you're going to turn away from your Moab. Tell him you're going to turn away from your sin. You're going to turn away from your past. You're going to walk into your destiny. You're going to let go of the people that you don't need to hold on to anymore. You're going to move forward by grace in faith. Jesus, right now, for whoever's watching this and responding right now, give them faith. Give them grace and mercy and give them power to turn from sin and to turn to Christ. To not leave but instead to cling the same way Ruth did with Naomi. We cling to you right now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.